0: This is Books of Titans, the podcast dedicated to the influences of influencers. The books that have helped shape prominent inventors, business leaders, athletes, intellectuals, scientists, and others. We'll talk about what makes these books such classics and at least attempt to have an intelligent discussion about what makes them so important and influential. Hello, this is Eric Rostad coming to you right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Today I'm going to cover Don Quixote by Miguel de Cervantes. This is book 11 for my 2019 reading list of 52 total books. This episode will consist of three segments. The first will be a brief introduction to the book, the author and and my initial reaction. The second segment will be three themes that I noticed throughout the book, and then the final segment is the one thing, my one key takeaway, uh, the one thing I always hope to remember from this book. So on to segment 1. The author, Miguel de Cervantes, Saavedra He lived from 1547 to 1616 in Spain. Uh, This coincided with the Spanish Renaissance as well as the Spanish Inquisition. This book is broken up into two parts. The first was released in 1605, and then the second part was released in 1615, just a year before he passed away. And this book is considered the first modern novel. As for who suggested the book, I suggested it to myself. And uh, this, I, I usually talk about uh, where I heard about the book originally and and who suggested it. But in in this case, I I uh, it's one that I've always wanted to read, and I finally got around to doing it. And I, and I try to do one big major epic classic a year. Uh, so last year I did War and Peace, and then this year uh, Don Quixote. So this this is the the longest book on my list for this year, uh, but it, but it is one that I was had wanted to to read for, for quite a while. I read the unabridged version, so uh, it was 1,170 pages, and I read it from March 2nd through March 25th of, of this year, so I just finished it uh, three days ago. It took me 23 total days, and in those 23 days, I spent 35 hours and 54 minutes reading the book. And that's, that's accurate because I uh, I use a tracker now where I, I track the amount of time I'm reading. And I was, I, one of the main reasons I did that is is to see how long some of these classics would take. So it was a near a, a 40-hour work week, uh, 35 hours and, and 54 minutes. As for my initial reaction to the book, um, I, I was expecting a serious classic novel. I, I had in my mind that this was going to be a book about knights, um, chivalry, but that's about the extent. And and I thought it would be kind of a serious book along the lines of, of maybe a war and peace or, or Les Miserables. And it was not, it was hilarious. It It was like watching Monty Python. Uh, I laughed out loud quite a few times and that never happens when I'm reading, but it just kept happening over and over in this book. But the fact that it was funny and like a Monty Python skit does not mean it was a flippant novel. Uh, there, were, there were many points in the, in the book of just extreme profundity, and I'll get into some of those later on in this episode, but um, it, it was a neat contrast of, of humorous yet profound. And I, w- I want to highlight one quote from the book in, in light of that. And this is in a section where a priest is reviewing the books in Don Quixote's library. And the books, as we'll find out, are a problem because they've put all these ideas into Don Quixote's head. And so when a priest is looking at the books in in order to determine which ones need to be burned, here's a comment that that the uh, priest makes. For when he has witnessed a comedy that is well and artfully constructed, the spectator will come out laughing at its humor, enlightened by the truths it contained, marveling at the various incidents, rendered wiser by the arguments, made more wary by the snares he has seen depicted, and more prudent by the examples afforded him. It's kind of a, uh, just another way of, of saying that uh, humor can kind of open doors that other books may not be able to. So if you if you're expecting, if you're going in expecting a a serious novel, the fact that this one is is funny kind of just opens you up to some of the the profound things that are that are pieced throughout the book. I guess the the best way I can describe it and and I was talking to my wife about this book and, and we 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 were describing it in this way. She she loves Hallmark movies. And if you've ever watched a Hallmark movie, uh, well, if you've watched two of them, they are pretty much the exact same storyline. And a uh, little spoiler alert here, but they're all the same storyline. All, all Hallmark movies, they follow the pretty much the same exact storyline. And so Don Quixote in, in this light would be like Hallmark creating a spoof of a Hallmark movie, where everything that you expect to happen maybe. Doesn't happen, or just has a twist to it, uh, whereas none of the Hallmark movies really do. So Don Quixote is a spoof of the sh- the chivalry books of the time, the the books about knights, and apparently there were a ton of them, and they all kind of followed a same similar format. But here comes Don Quixote, and it it is not like that format at all. So, and just a brief uh, uh, or a quick notice here that that there will be spoilers in this episode. So I'll, I'll be talking about things that happen towards the end of the novel. So if you if if you are planning to read this, you may want it to just press pause and then uh, revisit the episode after you've after you've read it. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome and thanks for checking it out. I started the Books of Titans project because I needed help picking out the best books. I found out what some of the world's top performers were reading, and I started reading those books to the tune of 52 per year, or roughly one a week. I set my reading list a year in advance, and then I share it online. That creates accountability and a connection with others who are reading the same books. I want you to experience the benefits of having a yearly reading list. To that end, the Books of Titans website is stocked full of resources to help you find the best books. I've also opened up the website to where you can begin sharing your reading list. This will allow you to share it with others, write reviews, and rate each book. I have three different plans, with the first one starting at just $9 per month. Your books will be placed in a visually stunning format that you can share on social media. Just go to booksoftitans.com forward slash my books for more details. Each week, I also like to highlight a tool that could be useful for you in your your reading. And this week, I want to highlight BookBub. If you're not familiar with BookBub, you go to their website and right at the top is a a newsletter sign up. And if you sign up for their newsletter, each morning you'll get an email with 6 to 10 books that are on sale that day for iBooks and Amazon Kindle. So these books will be anywhere between $0.99 and $2.99. And they're not like books you've never heard of, they're oftentimes they're, they're books that you want to be reading and, uh, and book will let you know when they're, when they're on sale on, on those e readers. So if you like reading on, on the Kindle or the, or your iPad, uh, be sure to sign up for that. It's a, it's a free newsletter and I'm not getting paid for this. I, I'm just, I just like sharing tools that I've found that, that, that I enjoy. So back to the book. I want to highlight a few more details about the book before I get into three themes that I, that I noticed throughout the novel. So Don Quixote, when we meet him, he is a 50-year-old man. He's gaunt, he's, he's very skinny and tall, and he decides that it is fitting and necessary that he should become a hero. And the way he goes about becoming a hero is by becoming a knight. So Don Quixote has read books his entire life about knights and their adventures, and he thinks they're real. He does not think that they're, they're just stories, but he thinks that they are their truth. Now, everyone else at this, at this time knows that these stories are made up, that they're, that they're fiction, but Don Quixote doesn't know that. And so that, that adds to a lot of the humor in this book. The closest people to him are appalled because they think he's, he's gone mad. They think he's read so many books that his mind has just turned to mush. And that's the reason he wants to go on, uh, out on these adventures. So the, those closest to him kind of do an intervention of sorts and, and try to get rid of all the books about knights that are in Don Quixote's p- possession. But that doesn't work. It, by by burning these books, it, it doesn't remove Don Quixote's passion to to go out and seek adventure. And the way he does this is, is as a knight errant. And I had not heard that term before reading this book. But uh, errant means someone who is wandering in search of an adventure. So uh, many times in this book, he would ask his horse to to lead them. So they, they don't have, really have any particular thing in mind or or destination in mind but they just kind of go and whatever they come across that's their adventure don quixote also knows that all knight errants in the stories he's read have a squire and so he finds someone from his local community he finds a neighbor named sancho and sancho becomes his squire and, and it's basically his traveling buddy so sancho leaves his wife and kids. For the promise that, uh, as they go on these adventures, and what often happens in in the books that Don Quixote has read is that the the squire will will one day get an island just for being around this this knight who's saving people all around the world. So that, he that's the reason Sancho joins him as his, uh, his as his squire. What knight errants must also have is a lady to whom they sacrifice everything. And so Don Quixote chooses, chooses a, a, a lady and he names her Dulcinea del Toboso, but, but it's like a, a lady from a neighboring area who's just a common girl, but he considers her to be this, this high, highborn born lady and princess. And so there's another kind of just funny thing throughout the book that uh, this lady who's just a common lady, he's, he's singing praises to her he's doing these incredible feats all for this lady and the the worst i guess most troubling thing in all of this is that he never even meets her so he's the whole book he's he's referencing her saying how he's doing all these things for her and he's never met her he never does meet her and she's just a common girl but being a knight errant everything has to have adventure. There's like this ideal of romance that everything must have. And so when Don Quixote comes against or comes up to windmills, they're not windmills. They're giants and he has to fight them. If he comes across prisoners, they're, they're people who have been taken advantage of and he must free them, even though they're the king's prisoners and they're very bad people. And so these are just a few of the things that it, the adventures that we see Don Quixote have, and and he sets out, I guess, with a with a good heart, I guess, in trying to mimic what he sees in in these books, but uh, everything goes wrong, and all the good that he tries to do, it just ends up hurting the people that he's that he's actually trying to do to do good for. So, in the book itself, we see Don Quixote go through a pretty tremendous transformation at first every inn that he goes to it could be just the nastiest inn but he thinks it's a castle and again there's this this concept of, of the ideal of the romantic it can't just be an inn it's got to be a castle but slowly he loses that and he begins to call them inns now, that's just one example but uh, he kind of loses the romance of, of it all through as, as we see him throughout the book so now I want to get into to some of the themes that I, I noticed in the book. And the first one of that, is, uh, the first main theme is, is that of contrasts. Most everyone that Don Quixote encounters considers him a madman, and yet he waxes poetically about a variety of topics. And so that's where a lot you get a lot of these just profound statements from the book. They're, they're actually from the character of Don Quixote. But everyone considers him a, a madman. So it's, it's kind of hard to take serious what he's saying, but what he's saying is so good. I mean, he's, he talks about a variety of topics like bravery, just war, fiction truth, soldiers versus scholars, love versus lust, profession of arms versus profession of letters, freedom versus obligation. And these are just wonderful sections of the book. But they're, they're coming from a madman. So there, there's, there's, there's just that contrast. There's this absurdity of him being a madman, of, of trying to be a knight-errant when everyone knows that those were all untrue stories. But also profundity along with that absurdity. What's also funny is the contrast between Don Quixote and his squire, Sancho. So Don Quixote has this ideal, uh, the romantic ideal of everything. But Sancho is the realist. He sees everything for what it is. So when Don Quixote sees those windmills and and calls them giants, Sancho's saying, hey, 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 wait up, wait up. Those are windmills. They're not giants. You don't have to actually attack those windmills. They're inanimate objects. So there's no reason to attack them. Uh, So there's this contrast throughout the book of between those two characters and since they're together almost the entire book it 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 makes for really funny but we also kind of see their roles begin to change to where Don Quixote loses his ideal his romantic idealism and Sancho loses his realism and they both kind of turn into the other so it it's uh it's kind of a neat thing to see throughout the book, but that's definitely the first theme is is that of of just tremendous contrast in the book. Second theme is what I call belief systems. And it goes back to Don Quixote and he has this belief that knight errants and books about knight errants that, that they're all true. and so it 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 made me think of this question what if people believe? what they read, and then they live out what they read in life. I mean, I mean, that's exactly what happens in this book. So what What if people do that? And what, what's important to, to realize with this book is that Don Quixote is writing this and the Inquisition is still going on. The Inquisition started in 1478, and it but it went through, uh, the official end date was in the 1800s. And so he is like right in the center of this. I don't think he was in the worst part of it. I think that happened earlier, but um but the inquisition is it's still going on. And here's what the inquisition did. It exercised absolute control over what could and could not be published. And so this book had to be released to the inquisition first to make sure that it was okay, and then if it was okay and and there was nothing unorthodox or critical of the church or government, then it would be released. So writers had to be very careful on on how they wrote. And so for Cervantes, this kind of irony throughout the book was actually a way for him to get some points across and maybe kind of through the Inquisition or through the the editors. But he kind of hits on what the Inquisition is doing. And so... In that first part where we see Don Quixote's friends burning his books and trying to get rid of these bad ideas, these ideas that have influenced Don Quixote so that he's going out and seeking these adventures and getting himself into trouble and hurting people and all sorts of stuff. Well, if he got those ideas from books, can we just burn the books? Well, what did they do in the Inquisition? They burned people at the stake, the the people they didn't want their ideas to go forward. So it just kind of brings back that. What if people believe what they've read and then they live that out in life? And there's a really interesting quote along these lines in the book, and it says, chivalry is a religion in itself, and there are sainted knights in glory. And that's Don Quixote talking. And so when when he talks, you know that that uh, you kind of take it with a grain of salt because it could be one of his profound statements, or it could be kind of what he's read in his books, which goes back to his belief system. But you come, like, as you're reading about Don Quixote, you you really come to like him. You you, you see that he's a madman. You see that he's causing harm, but he is, he's genuine. He believes what he's doing. He believes what he's living out. Even though it's hurting a lot of people. And so, just that that idea of a belief system, Don Quixote always knows what to do in every situation because he lives according to the laws of chivalry. He he lives according to to the to the code of of the knight, of the knight errant. And that, that just makes things easy for him in a way of he doesn't have to think about anything. He knows what he's supposed to do if he comes across the situation, and uh, so. Belief system—that's the second theme that we see throughout the book, and 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 really when you when you consider it from uh, the position of the Inquisition, which which Cervantes was living through at this time, uh, writing this book, it really uh, really makes it even in, even deeper. There. The final theme I want to highlight is that of story versus happening truth, and I I highlighted this theme in. War and Peace, on my on my episode uh, that covered War and Peace. And it's something I got from a book from the 2017 reading list called The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien. And there's one chapter that was dedicated to describing the difference between happening truth and story truth. So in The Fog of War, story truth, uh, Tim O'Brien says t- story truth can actually get closer to the actual truth of what happened. Happening truth may be, this happened and then this general ordered this attack and then this general general responded with this attack and there were this many casualties and this many wounded and that is what happened that's the happening truth but the story truth may be a little more nuanced and it might be what some how someone remembers the the battle but it may not be like if you were an actual visitor to that battle the, the happening truth would be more of what happened, but the story truth may get more to, to the truth of what actually happened. And, and it's just, it's a, it's something I think about a lot and it comes up in a lot of different books, but, but I think Tim O'Brien and the, and the things they carried really nailed it in, in those two different kinds of, kinds of ways of de- uh, de- describing truth. And it's something that comes up a lot in, in Don Quixote what is reality what is truth we see don quixote coming up ac- uh, upon numerous adventures and so uh, back to that windmill example to to don quixote those windmills are giants but to sancho they're windmills and cervantes does a great job of kind of balancing between the two characters but there's always this tension throughout the book of what is reality in this sense? Is it what Don Quixote is saying, or is it what Sancho is saying, or is it what other people are saying? So just a really neat kind of way to think about the book. And, and one other thing I thought about is, uh, uh, another book that I I will highlight next year where the, the author is, is, is talking to his son and, and his son asks him, dad, are, dad, are, are there really dragons? And the, and the dad kind of thought about that question. He's like, that is, an, that is an awesome question. Dad, are there dragons? Because dad going to work the next day is very unlikely to see a dragon at work. A, a fire-breathing dragon from, from, from a book. But there are, there, are, there are dragons that we encounter every day of our life. And so, Dad, are there dragons? H- how would you answer that question? It's that tension that comes up over and over in, in this book, in that idea of story versus happening truth. Now on to segment three in The One Thing. I always feel a little weird doing like a one-key takeaway from a novel, especially an 1170-page novel. But I guess what I I try to do for the one thing with with an epic novel is what is the the key thing that stuck out to me in the book? What's the thing that still has me thinking a few days after reading it? And it's this. And and this is really where I get into the the main spoiler of this episode. Uh, So if if you don't want to know how the story ends, uh, please, please pause it. Don Quixote at the end of the novel recants his beliefs. He he says, Knight errantry is not the way to go. It's not it's not real. And he says that on his deathbed and it was really disappointing. I, you know, I guess part, part of me was maybe wanting him to realize how absurd he had been and, and how he was a madman and everyone considered him a madman and he should just maybe go home and try to find a wife and not have this ideal woman in his mind that he never actually meets. But get into the world of the real and not, not just the ideal. And yet he's such a likable character. He's such a, a, such a likable guy that (laughs) there's just this sense of disappointment at the end. At least I, I just kind of wanted him to stay consistent, but, um, but he doesn't. And, and that was good on some parts, but it was really disappointing on, on other parts. And so I'm still kind of thinking through the ending of the book. And and that's that's my one key takeaway. That's the, the one thing that I'm continuing to to think about after having read this book. So to recap, this was a hilarious book. It's a, just I mean I, I literally literally laughed out loud many, many times and, and I just very rarely do that. It was very long. It was my longest book of the year. I wouldn't necessarily say it was worth it in the same way that uh, Les Miserables or War and Peace were worth it, but it was very enjoyable and was very entertaining. I read the unabridged version, the full version. Uh, there's probably some good abridged versions out there where uh, you could maybe get into three or 400 pages instead of 1100. So you have different options there if you if you do want to read the book, but um Yeah, just a lot to think about some really profound and hilarious things in this book. So that's going to do it for this episode. Before I sign off, just a reminder that you can now share your reading list on the Books of Titans website by going to booksoftitans.com forward slash my books. You can also follow Books of Titans on Instagram or Twitter at Books of Titans. And if you haven't already done so, you can subscribe to this podcast and find all of our past episodes through iTunes, the Android Marketplace, or your podcast manager of choice. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure to give us an effusive five-star rating on iTunes and share your favorite episodes on social media. We'll be back next week with another book. Either Jason or I will be covering another one. Until then, keep reading, keep learning, and keep listening. I'm out.